Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone in the United States and around the world. Welcome to the show. I hope everyone is safe and following what they're supposed to do so that we can move forward. Uh, And I just want to say that I have uh, followers from China uh, and different companies around uh, countries around the world and know this, that we're thinking about you um, and that we hope things will continue moving forward for you. Because as I always say, a disability here is the same as a disability wherever you are in the world. So um, thinking of you, also special shout out to my friends, uh, Richard Roberts in Japan and Gang Young in uh, South Korea. And both of them work with the embassies and are good friends of mine. So I'm just wishing you the best. And then... There you are, Yoshiko Dart. A special shout out to you. Um, love you and your leadership. And I know you're going to lead on no matter what. Uh, hi, Mark. Thank you for being our major sponsor for four years now with our new sponsor, Peoples, formerly Peoples Natural Gas and Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo and the employment options. You know, without you, we wouldn't be able to reach as many people as we are. So thank you so much. Well, you're in for a great show today. You are, because we have one of the most uh, admired disability rights leaders in this country. And I'm sure starting to become well-known around the world, uh, so highly respected and thought of, and what could be better than to have one of the top disability rights leaders in our country give advice to all of us during this pandemic. As I've told you before, people with disabilities are facing incredible uh, problems and obstacles as we move through this. And I am determined on this show, just as last week, you know, we had the CEO, Howard Rosenblum, of the National Association of the Deaf to keep keep getting news out to you and helping you any way that I can. So we have Karen Tamley, what an honor, with us today. And she is the president and CEO of Access Living. Karen, it is such an honor to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Well, uh, Karen, being that you are, you know, one of the strongest leaders in this country, I'm, I know, even from all the email and comments I've received, that people are eager to hear from you. But I thought, since we have listeners not only throughout the United States, but around the world, uh, how about if you Mm -hmm. start by telling our listeners about your background prior to going to Access Living, uh, and then about your current role? Sure, of course. Thank you. Um, So I assumed the role as President and CEO of Access Living early March, and um, prior to that, I had served um, about 14 years as the Commissioner for the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities for the City of Chicago, and I had the honor to have been appointed by three of Chicago's mayors to serve in in each of these mayors' cabinets, advising on disability rights and policy matters that impact our community. Um, it was really a, a tremendous opportunity to make um, um, impact at the city level in many different areas, including transportation, the built environment, so accessibility of, of buildings and streets and sidewalks, um, parks, um, as well as having an impact on um, policy issues like emergency response, um, employment, contracting, you name it. I think the fact that disability literally touched almost 
every aspect of city operations um, was was something that not only kept us really busy, but was a tremendous opportunity to move forward disability rights and opportunities for our community. And so much of the work I did was also making sure that whatever policies, legislation, programs, services that were being rolled out by the city, um, that we ensured that the needs of our community were part of that. Um, as a department, we delivered independent living services, but we also really worked a lot on just the advocacy and policy front, um, really trying to kind of push the issues and not just create more opportunity, but really move the needle with the goal of making Chicago the most accessible city in the nation. So it was a true honor. I, I learned so much in this position. It was a great opportunity. Um, but again, like I mentioned, recently transitioned to the CEO of Access Living, which I'm really honored um, to be in this new position. Uh, Karen, when and I want to talk about that next, but the mayor's office, yeah. how, how large was that office? How many people were in that office? Uh, we had, yeah, we had a staff of 30, and that was considered one of the largest, um, if not the largest, uh, mayor's office for people with disabilities across the country. Um, you know, there are a number of our major cities which have such offices where um, the commissioner is appointed by the mayor. Um, not all of them were as big, um, but we certainly did a lot of work also with the mayor's offices in, in other major cities. So that was really an opportunity to connect with, with what was going on um, uh, across the country since many of the issues that we worked on um, were the same. So, yeah, 30 staff, but that enabled us to deliver a lot of services and, and really take on a lot of um, policy issues as well. I always thought that was amazing. I mean, I love Pittsburgh because we have some major corporations here that um, hire people with disabilities ongoing, like Highmark, PNC, Giant Eagle, mm-hmm. nonstop hiring, which is, as you know, so important. But we only have one person in that mayor's office. And when I've talked mm-hmm. to other cities, they too have a small mayor's office and I just was always so impressed that you you know had such a large uh large office in Chicago yeah I know and and really really enabled us to do a lot and I I think what's unique too is that that position is appointed by the mayor so I sat in the mayor's cabinet so every other city department, from the fire chief to the head of schools to the police chief to every other city department, human services, human rights, were all my equals. And so it really enabled you to move the needle on disability rights, that the office was never buried under, you know, layers of bureaucracy. It was really at the highest level of government. So I think that really spoke to the commitment um, of all of our mayors over the past 30 years that this office has been in place. Well, now here you are. CEO of Access Living, which I can't think of a better person than you to be in that role and uh, follow Marka, which, wow, isn't that something to mm-hmm. follow her? Yeah. And, uh, and that building is just absolutely so beautiful. I've been there and I was always so impressed uh, not only with your mission, but even the building that you're in uh, and how it's total total green, everything, uh, just mm-hmm. universal design, total universal uh, design. Yeah. Um, but I'll bet you didn't think you'd be following Marka Bristow. Yeah. Yeah, it's really been a great honor to assume this role. And for your listeners, you know, Marka was a, was a true leader in the disability community, a legendary disability rights advocate. Um, she founded Access Living in 1980, and it was one of the first centers for independent living in the United States, um, one, of, one of the first 10. And she was the CEO for 40 years. Um, so 
for me coming in only as the second CEO of the organization's history is quite an honor. And, um, you know, Marka has been a longtime friend, a colleague, a mentor to me in so many ways. And, you know, I always believe that we don't always get where we are by ourselves. Um, um, it's through the help of other people and mentors that we have in our lives. And Marka was certainly that for me. And so I feel truly privileged and honored to build on her legacy and ensure, um, you know, her vision of disability rights um, continues forward um, while, while taking the organization to the next level. So I'm really excited about this. And, and I think you mentioned, you know, the Access Living Building is certainly something that's extremely unique in terms of both its universal design in so many aspects, but um, it's, it's green, green building and green building materials and um, the thoughtfulness that has come to um, our center um, in its physical space. So, you know, if anybody is in Chicago, we'd love to host you at Access Living when, when things get back to... Um, you know, some semblance of, of our past life. So, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity. And, and again, I'm very excited to, to take it to the next level. Yeah, and uh, if you don't know, Marka passed away. Um, and, uh, oh, it was such a loss. I mean, it really was. And yeah. Such a, such a, uh, so devastating to some so many of us. I still remember the first time I heard her speak was like nineteen, maybe ninety eight, uh, when she was the chair of the National Council on Disability. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget her saying, "Disability and poverty go hand in hand." Um, mm-hmm. And absolutely. She, yeah, she just made an impact on me. And then, as you said, we all knew her uh, through these years, certainly not as well as you did, uh, because I know you two were very close. But Karen, as I said, they couldn't think of a better person than you to be the second CEO. So for our mm, listeners, a- Access Living, what what do you do at Access Living? What are some of the programs? <clears throat> sure. So we're... Um a center for service and advocacy for people with all types of disabilities. Um, we're what's called a center for independent living. Um, and that requires us to um, deliver services in form in five actually main areas, um, advocacy, independent living skills, transition support, so both for youth and folks transitioning out of nursing homes, as well as peer support in providing independent living services. Um, we're an organization that is run and governed by a majority of people with disabilities. Um, and really, we're about not only delivering services, but creating social change um, for our community. Uh, so really, our services run you know, the gamut from housing to transportation to, to youth, um, youth in transition, um, to helping people with disabilities out of nursing homes to live in the community with the supports that they need to providing in-home personal assistance services. Um, we run a number of support groups. We do advocacy. We work at the city level, the state level, and the national level. So um, if it's disability, uh, <laughs> we likely do it. And, you know, we're certainly um, also very much an organization that engages the voices of people with disabilities um, in Chicago that help guide and direct our advocacy work. So um, we are um, really one of the strongest organizations in terms of as a Center for Independent Living. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, we've been around 40 years. And um, so Marka has really built a tremendous organization over the years from really a small storefront to, you know, uh, an organization that has over 60 employees and, as you mentioned, a, a beautiful um, building. So so we, we do a lot of work, for sure. And I think now, particularly during this pandemic, um, uh, the work that we're doing is, in many ways, 
more important now than ever. And, you know, it's really revealing a lot of the disparities that exist and um, the work that's left to be done. And so um, we're really trying to kind of take that on as as well during um, this time of crisis for our nation and our world. Yes, and uh, such a powerful, powerful uh, center and voice that you are. You know, I was on a call with Reverend Barber, Dr. Barber, and, you know, it's it's an honor to, you know, hear him uh, speak and talk about, uh, you know, civil rights for minorities. But we also talked about people with disabilities. And just as with the African-American community, it's very clear that you see the uh, racial disparity with the large number mm-hmm. percentage of African-Americans who are dying from uh, the coronavirus. But then we talked yeah. about people with disabilities and this health care uh, disparity, you know, at the hospitals and what, what was happening uh, where, where there were people choosing who to give the ventilator to. And, and I said to him, you know, here we are, people with disabilities with this highest unemployment rate in America. And, and you know, so many people of color in poverty. And here's what the sad thing is. When this happens, it's like it really brings it home. Do you know what I mean? It yes, really, it really brings it home uh, and really makes you think about all of this. So hopefully we are going to learn how we have to fight the fight for different groups. And in our case, people with disabilities, which, of course, include people of color, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as we move forward. And I wanted to ask you about Chicago. Um, what what did you see in reference to healthcare services uh, and healthcare disparities, right in your city. Yeah, absolutely, and you're right. Um, the disparities in Chicago, in particular, are stark and alarming, and um, particularly based on race. When you look at the data, um, but when you look even deeper, um, our data at the city shows that. of those that have died in Chicago of COVID have some type of underlying health condition. And so for many of those folks, you know, they would likely meet the definition of having a disability, um, whether it's diabetes or um, any kind of heart condition or um, anything like that. And so that is particularly concerning as well for our community. So, um, yeah, this is something that we are absolutely very concerned about. We've been working um, very closely with our state, um, with our governor's office, um, um, particularly on a directive that our governor issued um, a couple of weeks ago um, that was sent to every healthcare provider in Illinois around non-discrimination in um, COVID-related healthcare treatment. Because as you mentioned, we are particularly concerned about the issue of healthcare rationing. So um, as we see an exploding number of cases of COVID and hospitals being, you know, overtaxed, um, when we have a shortage of ventilators or ICU beds, um, how are we triaging um, those who are needing healthcare um, in a way that doesn't discriminate? So we are very much on top of this and, terms of working nationally in coalition with other disability organizations on on this particular topic, but also um, locally on our state level. So we were really pleased that our governor did issue um, the statement around non-discrimination and, and also talked about the issue of um, people with disabilities being able to get access to accommodations um, in the hospital setting. And um, particularly things like you know, personal assistance beyond able to come in to assist them, um, getting accommodations such as interpreters, sign language interpreters, um, or anything else that they might need. You know, when there's a pandemic, we can't chuck our civil rights at the door. And um, for us, that's been abundantly clear that as things are moving really quickly at our government levels to respond to COVID, how do we make sure that the voice and the needs and the concerns the very real concerns of people with disabilities um, 
are being attended to. And so in many ways, that's been our role over the last two months since this pandemic has been unfolding. Yeah, and that really is terrible and really underscores, gee, you know, what do people think about people with disabilities? And in fact, we have this high unemployment. And I mean, before this, you know, with only, mm-hmm. uh, what is it now? With only 60, with 68% of people with disabilities not being counted in the workforce. And now I'm very nervous about what's going to happen from that point on, but that the Office of Civil Rights, you know, had to sue in Alabama where they were, in fact, you know, okay, give the ventilator to the person that you think will survive through this. Uh, And Mm -hmm. in Washington, where, oh, if they have an intellectual disability, pretty much saying, choose the other person. I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's Mm -hmm. like eugenics all over again. Um, And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why, Karen, we need you. That, that's why we need you, and we, we need people like you. Uh, and Karen Tamley, so you know, has been dedicated to civil rights for people with disabilities forever. Uh, I have always admired uh, you so much, Karen, but we need leaders like you that, you know, have your eyes on this uh, and, you know, and, and and like your advocacy is so important right now. Uh, and for all of you listening to the show, especially if you're in, uh, you know, Illinois, but you don't have to be in Illinois. You can be in anywhere in the world. How how would someone make a donation to Access Living, Karen? Um, they could go to our website, um, accessliving.org. Um, and make a donation there. Um, I should also just put a plug in that um, today is Giving Tuesday. There's been a special Giving Tuesday established that's COVID-related, um, I believe, across the world. And so we are doing a campaign around that as well today. Um, but that's where they can find um, a donation button on our site, as well as I just wanted to point out, as it relates to COVID, one of the things that we've done is we've set up... Um, a dedicated web page um, around disability-specific services for um, our community during the time of COVID. And so there's a really extensive resource list that could be helpful for anyone listening, um, regardless of whether you're in um, Chicago or outside of Chicago. Some of the resources are specific, but... um, you know, feel free to also check those out as well. Okay. And your website is? Is accessliving.org. Well, um, yeah, as I said, we, we need voices like yours, and we need voices like my newsbreak anchor. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of meeting Perry Jude Radisick, but we're so lucky to have her right here in Pennsylvania Disability Rights of PA, which, uh, as you know, Karen, pr- protection and advocacy groups, and I'm so honored mm-hmm. to be on, serve on the board. And we started a couple of years ago that on the half hour, we would give a news break about what's happening in our country, you know, with people with disabilities, because we need a source, somewhere we can go, that everyone can know what's going on. And so I'm so Uh, Very fortunate to have Perry Jude every week. Perry Jude, are you with us? Hey, Joyce, I am. Hi, Karen. uh, You're uh, doing a great job in Chicago. So, Perry Jude, what do you have for us today? Well, Congress has returned. Uh, They uh, have done a, a lot of work around stimulus packages which in, in some cases have benefited people with disabilities, and they took a break, and now they're back. And so we want to talk about what are some of the next steps on COVID-19 and what, as we all say at Advocacy Matters, what, what people can do to make uh, their advocacy count. And so Congress has returned to work this week. Uh, 
Uh, they're here for two weeks uh, to do some remote hearings, some legislative markups, uh, and then both chambers will conduct business through Friday, May 22nd, uh, before they take another break for Memorial Day recess. So what's on the agenda for COVID-19 and people with disabilities? I have to say it's not clear uh, from what's been posted uh, on the House.gov and Senate.gov website. Uh, the U.S. Senate has 12 committee hearings scheduled for this week. They started uh, their hearings today. Half of the hearings deal with judicial nominations or nominations to the administration of the president. There are three hearings focused on COVID-19. And many leaders in the civil rights community, including uh, the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network and Bazelon, are calling on Congress to uh, focus more on COVID-19 as they return this week. So the Senate is focused, uh, they have a lot of hearings. Three are focused on COVID-19. The House only has one hearing scheduled this week, and it's focused on COVID-19. So we have a list of all of those hearings uh, on our website at disabilityrightspa.org. So if you're interested in what those hearings are and, and uh, who, who's going to say what, please go to our website at disabilityrightspa.org, click on the link for today's show, and there's a list of what's on. They start tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's the House hearing on uh, the response to COVID-19. Uh, the Senate starts a hearing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then there's another one at 2.30 on Wednesday, and then it concludes uh, with the U.S. Senate Health, Education, and Labor Pension Committee looking at testing for COVID-19. So a lot going on, four hearings this week. Uh, behind the scenes, the House and Senate uh, and White House continue negotiations to work on the fourth stimulus package. So we always ask, is this enough to address the pandemic? Is it, is it enough to address the needs of people with disabilities? And, and really, at this point, we have to say, well, well, not enough, because the number of positives continue to rise. Uh, we know that there are still barriers to testing and shortages in some parts of the country. We still have people with disabilities out of work. People are still having a hard time getting their stimulus checks that they were promised one of the previous stimulus packages. We're still finding medical rationing and the no visitor policies and state and local budgets are still facing major deficits that that are going to impact our service system. So in this next stimulus package, we need for Congress to look at these state and local budgets and continue to look at the needs of people with disabilities. So with Advocacy Matters, uh, we know we want to get to you this information so if you go to the disabilityrightspa.org, uh, check out the list of congressional hearings. We have links to your U.S. House and Senate members. Uh, and so uh, we want you to contact your members of Congress. Let them know that people with disabilities still have needs. And we need to be included in every conversation and hearing and budget negotiation on COVID-19. And your message can be as simple as that. So go to Disability Rights PA, find the link for today's show under the Advocacy Matters page for all of the information we talked about today, and don't let another week go by without Congress talking about people with disabilities. Yeah, isn't that so true? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I always say you've got to take action, folks. You can't just think about it. You've got to take action. Um, And if you go Mm -hmm. to uh, the website, you can uh, read about it. You know, Perry Jude keeps us up to date on everything uh, happening. So, Perry Jude, thank you so much, as usual, right on target. uh, And we'll look forward to hearing from you next week. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Take care. All right. We do that every week on the half hour, Karen, because, uh, you know, I want our listeners to know what's going on. And there really Mm -hmm. isn't one place you can go to not only hear about it, but hear about it live. And uh, what do you think about that, what she was talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's essential. And as I mentioned, we have been working in coalition with a lot of disability rights organizations nationally to make sure that 
the needs of our community are part of any stimulus packages, um, that's critical because our community can and is amongst some of the hardest hit um, by COVID. Um, I would echo also just the emphasis on the state and local budgets as well, because, you know, much of the funding, for example, that we get as a Center for Independent Living um, flows through state and local budgets. We get grant funds from the city and the state of Illinois to support the needs of people with disabilities. So I would encourage everybody else to think very broadly about the types of funding, um, because a lot of these, where it might not be an obvious um, disability-related line items, so to speak. Um, the funding, for example, that comes through community development block grants, support home modifications, you know. Um, a lot of the community development block grant money supports our um, direct independent living services that we're providing on the front line right now to um, our community. Um, we're able to deliver COVID relief funds to them um, and make sure that we're doing well-being checks on them and making sure that they're getting all the resources that they need during stay at home. So without that funding that's coming through our local governments, we wouldn't necessarily be able to do the work we're doing at the levels we are. So um, I think it's spot on and we need to just keep, keep that pressure up and make sure that the voices of our community are heard by our members of Congress in all different aspects. I agree. And listen, if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, oh, I wish I could hear that again, or I wish I could share this with someone so they could hear Karen Tamley talk about all of this, subscribe to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on Apple or Spotify. You can not only hear all the shows, but you'll know what's coming up uh, and you can share this with a friend of yours or someone else that you think needs to hear what we're talking about. Uh, Apple or Spotify, Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. So, uh, you know, Karen, I have seen a realization when you were talking about looking, you know, at our people and what's happening to our people with disabilities across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people in nursing homes are in fact people with disabilities. And at yeah. not just an older age, everyone thinks, you know, everyone's like 80 to 90, but they aren't. And, you know, if you've had an accident, uh, if you're young, if you have quadriplegia, I don't care what it is, uh, and you, you, you don't have anywhere to go and uh, end up in a nursing home, there you go again. You see on the news what's happening at these nursing homes. Uh, and a lot of mm-hmm. those people are, in fact, people with disabilities. And that's another reason that you need to support uh, an organization like Access Living, because as I said, Karen uh, and and her whole organization have their eyes on all of this. Uh, so so mm-hmm. Access Living, accessliving.org. Hey, Karen, I don't know if you've been seeing this, but because of COVID-19, across the country, friends of mine that always used a personal care assistant are now having a hard time finding them. Are you seeing that also? Um, we are somewhat seeing that. And, you know, I, I think it is a concern that our community certainly has, um, particularly given, you know, the one-on-one close proximity um, nature of delivering in-home services where social or physical distancing is not possible. And I think that presents challenges, right? Um, It prevents challenges from the personal assistant who may be fearful of, you know, being in close contact um, with someone with a disability. But I think from um, the folks that we serve, um, the concerns about a personal assistant who may have been to multiple residences, um, and the ability to potentially um, pass on COVID. So one of the things that we're doing um, is making sure that um, 
the personal assistants that we're working with in Chicago have access to PPE, so masks and gloves and things like that, um, you know, and how particularly important um, protection of our home care workers are during this time. I think it's really in many ways exposing the fragility of our system as well, um, but it also speaks to um, just, you know, I think the flaws like you mentioned around nursing homes and the flaws of the models around congregate care and which is something our our community has long advocated um, against and really wanting to push more home and community-based models away from nursing homes and other large congregate facilities like state-operated institutions and that type of thing. And where we're seeing really a high rate of of spread of COVID. And um, so I think this is just one more thing that this pandemic is revealing in our community um, is that that, you know, independent community-based living is really, again, the safest option for our for those with disabilities. So, yeah, there's many things that's, that's being revealed. Um, we are also establishing, um, back to the issue of personal assistance, uh, emergency backup um, PA system or personal assistance um, program during COVID to address this issue of um, unreliability that um, we can see here and there um, with um, personal assistance showing up um, to assist an individual with whatever their activity of daily living is, whether it's getting in and out of bed or showering, dressing, meal preparation, things like that. Um, so that backup system is really um, an important piece of our COVID response um, during this time where, um, you know, that, that, that system of, of in-home supports um, may be weakened during COVID. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues coming to the surface for sure. Well, you know, you know, Kelly Buckland was on the show, uh, actually he and Maria town. Uh, and if you're, you know, Kelly has been the CEO of nickel for my listeners and mm-hmm. Maria town yep. CEO of AAPD for, so our listeners know what I'm talking about, uh, because I know you know them extremely well. But uh, one thing Kelly was talking about is to remember that people with disabilities have civil rights and disability rights so that when that personal care assistant, uh, you know, as you said, very co- close contact uh, and touching the person, that you need to not be ashamed to demand mask, you know, gloves, and Mm -hmm. just uh, all the things that, you know, that anyone would ask. Because as you said, I mean, what are you going to do? You have no idea where this person has been and if they are uh, asymptomatic. I mean, what do you think about that, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. Our community does have to demand that. And um, I think that's also revealed some of the issues with the shortages of PPE. I mean, just basic healthcare workers and hospitals have been having problems getting it. So um, fortunately, on our state level, we have been able to get access to that. And, and again, that's one of the really that's that's our advocacy role as well as an organization, as a center for independent living um, that's working um, alongside people with disabilities, making sure that we get that protection um, because in-home services is, is life and death for so many. And um, it's one of the most critical services that people with disabilities rely on and need. And so we need to be, making sure that this is part of that conversation around protection of our frontline workers. And um, so we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're elevating that conversation, but also securing PPE to get that in the hands of um, those with disabilities, but also um, our workers. We just had a, we just had a call today about this very issue. So it is a front and center topic for sure. 
Yeah, um, it, it is. And uh, it will, as you said, all these things are coming to light. Uh, you know, the way people mm-hmm. with disabilities have been treated in the past or mm-hmm. sometimes the abuse or neglect uh, that has occurred through this whole thing. So it's good. That's the one thing. It's too bad it would take a pandemic for some of these things yeah. to be realized, but they are. Hey, one thing I did want to ask you um, yeah. is what are you seeing people with this covid uh, 19 going to the hospital and either being a person who is deaf or that speaks another language are you seeing that you know they're receiving accommodations uh, have you noticed this what's been going on there um yeah we are definitely keeping tabs on that um we've sent out um surveys to um many over 100 um, disability-related organizations in our state to try to identify and and, um, tap into the stories and experiences that people with disabilities might be having with accessing health care. We haven't heard a lot, but that was also one of the reasons that we really wanted to make sure that this was in our governor's directive was about the importance of accommodating people with disabilities um, in healthcare treatment. So um, not just non-discrimination and non-bias in quote-unquote triaging or what we might call rationing, but anybody that's coming in, making sure that they have those accommodations that they need. Um, So we are keeping tabs on this and on literally a weekly basis and um, really trying to make sure that, you know, people with disabilities aren't discriminated against in COVID-related treatment. Um, You know, I think certainly this is a concern, and and I I just think one other area we're seeing this um, and have concerns about is with regards to transportation, Um, you know, particularly those with disabilities that are dependent on paratransit. Um, again, that's a, a service that is very um, one-on-one, that's very um, close contact, right, with helping people get into a vehicle, perhaps handling their bags, securing a wheelchair, or just being in a small vehicle. And, you know, the concerns that we have with those that are paratransit dependent, perhaps getting... COVID testing, um, which is car-based, um, getting to a hospital if they're sick and have no other means of transit, and just that close proximity and the possibility of, of um, transmission between a driver and a passenger. Um, so that's another example of a, of a kind of disability-related service in a system that we're taking a very close look, on, look at. Um, to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to protect and advocate for the protection of both the passengers and the drivers. So, you know, I think we're seeing this play out in a lot of different areas where, you know, our community is reliant on other humans, you know, um, for the services that they need. And, you know... And that there's a lot of work to be done to make sure that our rights continue to be protected and that, again, we're not checking our civil rights at the door during this time of crisis. Right. And you know what? I was going to ask you about the transportation and, you know, what happens if you can't get transportation. And I can't imagine what that's like in um, rural areas. And, you know, a lot of these times how you're not allowed to have anyone with you at the hospital. I mean, one thing I would suggest is to go to uh, Access Living's website. Oh, my goodness, Karen, you have like a plethora of knowledge back there on that site. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, what do you tell people when they feel as if their civil rights are being neglected? What, What do you tell them? What do they do? Um, I think it depends on what the setting is. So that would be first and foremost. Um, There's obviously a lot of forms where complaints can be filed. Um, But also, I think in this 
time period, you know, it, it requires often immediate action to remedy, um, you know, a violation. And so calling Access Living, we do have attorneys on staff. We do have um, a legal department, and we can advise and counsel you, even though um, our staff are working remotely. We are fully operational during um, during this time. So you can go to our website and contact us by email, by phone, um, and speak to one of our lawyers about the situation that you're currently experiencing um, if you're local in Chicago or in Illinois. Um, nationally, there's such a strong network of, of lawyers across the nation, whether it's, you know, like you mentioned, Disability Rights Pennsylvania, every um, state has a protection advocacy um, legal organization that can provide assistance. And so there's a lot of different places to go um, where you could get um, legal advice and guidance about how to exercise and enforce your civil rights. Um, and yeah, that is great advice. I mean, if you're right there in the Chicago area, you should get in touch with Access Living if something egregious is happening. Uh, but in every state, just like Perry Jude Radisic was on, uh, you know, Disability Rights of PA, they're in every state. And one thing I love is that they have the authority to just go where they want to go. You know, they can go right into a nursing home or some other mm-hmm. facility for people without without uh, telling them. They can just go. Yeah. And I, I've always thought yeah. that was so uh, important because now we also have the residential living centers or community centers for people with disabilities of all types, including intellectual disabilities. Um, and, and, you know, that's why we have to be vigilant in so many areas right now, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And um, sometimes a legal route isn't the fastest way to achieve social change, particularly right now. And so I think that's where the advocacy work comes into play as well. And it's so important that people with disabilities are telling their story about what's going on in their lives um, during this pandemic. Where, where is our government falling short? Um, where are people not getting their needs met? Um, what are the needs of our community during this time? And so there's, you know, many different forums that I'm seeing, including our own organization, that we're really looking to hear people's stories during this time of COVID and using those stories and those experiences to inform our work, um, really our rapid response advocacy work. Um, and so, again, I, I would encourage people that this is not the time to silent. We may be in our homes and sheltering in place, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be, you know, speaking our minds and using social media and, you know, making phone calls to organizations and whatever way that you communicate to make sure that your voice is heard and that you're getting the support that you need during this time. Because I do believe that during this pandemic, you know, we, we're going to need to look... Um, you know, at our future with a renewed and different lens, right? Um, it's going to be a different time going forward. And so what are the lessons that we're learning now that we can use to build upon um, to make our world a better place for our community going forward? Oh, that is so true. I mean, I so agree with you. And Karen, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for our country, specifically uh, civil rights of people with disabilities. Um, it, it means so much to all of us and all of our listeners to have someone like you with your uh, leadership and fighting for our rights. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Joyce, for having me. And, and thank you as well for all your work and your leadership. Um, fighting for disability rights, particularly in the area of employment and helping to amplify the voices of our community through your radio show. It's, it's great. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh, yeah, we all have 
a lot to do together. So this has been Karen Tamley, remember, CEO of Access Living. Remember, if you want to share it, uh, post the podcast, have someone come back again uh, to hear Karen, uh, Spotify or Apple, get in touch, share it, because we all have to get this news out. Um, And we end every show with a quote, and there could be no other quote than this today. I lost my home because it had stairs. I lost my job. I lost my income. I lost my health insurance, but I didn't lose that fighting spirit, said Marka Bristow. And that is what everyone needs, that fighting spirit. Thank you so much again, Karen, for everything you're doing for us. Thank you so much, Joyce. I appreciate it. And next week, we're going to be talking about what's happening with our animals like service dogs during this whole time. Um, And we have a premier uh, doctor that will be with us on the show. Uh, But for right now, going to take off. Talk to you next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Stay safe. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. Voiceamerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.